What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, as promised, and I'm going to try to get most of this, if not all of it, hopefully knocked out by the end of this year, because we got 2023 shit to discuss, but for now, for the next uh, 10 or so parts, I believe it's going to be a 10-parter here, we are going back 20 years ago. Doesn't seem like a long time ago at all, but I've lived a lifetime since then, so we're going back to the year 2003, so welcome to our big, super spectacular retrospective of 2003. Once again, I'm your host, Joey, here, taking you along for the ride and going through every possible door, listening to all the best possible music from 2003. As these lists go, I feel like I listened to everything that I would have remotely considered for inclusion on this retrospective, of course, especially the big albums countdown we got coming up, and you know we got a good one coming up. Don't think that just because 2003 isn't some sort of heralded banner year with journalists and fans and and what have you, don't think that the stuff you're going to hear on this spectacular is not in any way not spectacular, because it is. I got to tell you, for me personally, 2003 was a big year for me in music. I was riding high, managing a CD store at the time, so I listened to a lot of shit. I dug and found a lot of great stuff. Stuff I didn't even know was from 2003. And some of these records that you're going to hear towards the end of the countdown, once we get to the very end of this retrospective, are some all-timers for me. Some of the best rock albums I've ever heard came from this year. I promise you that. So come along with me. If you weren't an active listener during 2003, and by that I mean if you didn't really go into the new stuff, we're going to play some killer stuff for you here, or I'm going to play you some killer stuff here on Rock Strikes 10. I'm taking all the credit, damn it. But <laughs> yeah, and of course, let's credit the artists here. What you heard at the top of the show, that's a weird one. That is a true, tried and true, odd end right there. That might be the most obscure Aerosmith song that actually got an official release. And I definitely want to give a shout out to a really good Aerosmith fan blog called the Aerosmith Backburner. Great name. And I do get that reference. That was a song called Lizard Love. And as it stands in 2003, it was officially released on the official original soundtrack to Rugrats Go Wild. Yes, the Nickelodeon animated feature Rugrats Go Wild. That song has a hell of a history right there. And I'll give you the cliff notes of the Aerosmith backburner version because it's pretty fascinating, actually. In a perfect Aerosmith world, you would have heard that song on something during the 1993 retrospective because that song was demoed all the way back to Get a Grip. And musically, I think that song kind of rules. That's a really classic sounding Aerosmith song for my money, especially in that peak comeback era for Aerosmith. Good rocker there. But of course... As we discussed when I talked about Get a Grip, they definitely cut some rockers off the list to appease the label and put some extra ballads on there. So a song like Lizard Love was given the axe. Originally, apparently, the song was a lot raunchier, as a lot of the raunchier songs off of Get a Grip, some of the more rockers, non-ballad songs, were. But the song got shelved. They actually were going to bring it back later on that year, 
because supposedly they got asked to do a song for the Jurassic Park movie. And when they turned it in, it got shot down immediately. So it didn't make the cut. I'm actually glad. I'm glad there's no licensed songs in Jurassic Park because a rock song would definitely have just distracted from the actual movie. So I'm kind of glad the song didn't make the cut. It probably should have been on Get a Grip or at least put on one of the official B-sides. But jumping all the way to a decade after its original possible inclusion on Get a Grip, we get to 2003 and this version right here. They got, of course, lyrically cleaned up for inclusion on this Nickelodeon movie soundtrack. But for me, really the coolest, coolest thing about this particular song, Lizard Love, it's the one and only time that Aerosmith worked with super producer Jeff Lynne from ELO as a producer. Jeff was not involved in the original Get a Grip version, but he came in and did some mixing and production once it was going to be in there for the possible inclusion on Jurassic Park. So there you have it. Jeff Lynne producing an Aerosmith track. And if you go back and listen to it again, musically, you can totally tell it's a Jeff Lynne production. You can hear it in there. It sounds like the possible heaviest song off of Petty's Into the Great Wide Open. So there you have it. All right. There you go. Fun facts right there. Once again, thanks to the Aerosmith backburner. I had heard rumors of that song and I never listened to it until like a few months ago, but man, that's, it's pretty wild stuff. Okay. So yeah, an official odd and end. If you are a new friend to the show and you're like, what the hell is an odd and end besides that song just kind of being odd in some way or on principle, it's odd, but the odds and ends, because I only say it one time on each super spectacular, the odds and ends are songs from records that don't go on official studio albums. They're used on soundtracks, such as that one. They could be single-only releases. They could be the brand-new song from a best-of. They could be from a live album. They could be from a covers album or a tribute album or an EP. So basically songs that won't really get much love on the critical list at the end of the year, but on Rock Strikes 10, they belong. And I give them a place to go. A musical Island of Misfit toys here, The Odds and Ends. For rock strikes 10 officially don't you just love it don't you just love these odds and ends i know i do these kind of songs are one of the reasons i started this show in the first place just to shine a light on them so yeah let's get back into the music here as i like to do for time purposes to get them out here in a timely manner and to just a marathon it for you for the purpose of that i do throw in a good amount of twofers here on these odds and ends but in the case of wanting to include two songs from the same band very apropos. So let's get into this right here. An album that you may well be hearing more about on the album's countdown coming up, if I could tease it some more, is the Anthrax contribution to 2003. Of course, Anthrax did really well on my 1993 album's countdown, and I suspect they will do pretty good here in 2003. Where they wind up, you'll just have to stay tuned to find out. But in 2003, they were releasing physical singles with really cool B-sides, as they liked to do, especially while John Bush was in the band. They really brought it with the B-sides and the covers and stuff like that. 2003 being no exception, so for the official single release of the song Taking the Music Back, there were three songs put on there that uh, us as fans had never heard before, and I'm going to play two of those three, because I, I think I actually did play one of the two covers already on the show before, I believe on my Anthrax retrospective, my Rock and Rank Anthrax special, go back and look that one up. So I'm not going to play their version of The Police is Next to You, but it's awesome. So if you didn't hear that, go listen to it on my Rock and Rank Anthrax special. 
But here are the other two B-sides from Taking the Music Back. We're going to start things off with an original that didn't make the cut for We've Come For You All. And that song is a song called Ghost. And if you don't know what the other cover is as the B-side, I'm going to go ahead and not tell you and just tell you on the back end. And if you get it, points for you. I'm sure some of my friends will get this. Some of them, like me, are probably not a fan of the original band, but it's Anthrax, so it's going to rule. So here you go. Here's an Anthrax twofer, these two great B-sides from the Taking the Music Back single. Kicking things off right here with Ghost by Anthrax. Turn it up. Hey! 
All right. There you have it. A twofer right there by one of my favorite bands of all time right there. Anthrax and two B-sides from the Taking the Music Back single. We started things off with a song called Ghost. Nice little under two minute burner right there. Probably could have fit on the record, but I guess maybe the song didn't make sense uh, for any of the other songs on there. So maybe that's why. Or maybe they just did it after. Who knows? But also right there, finishing things off with a U2 cover, which I never thought I would say that on this show. But yes, a cover of the U2 song Exit, which if I'm not mistaken, originally comes off the Joshua Tree album. I'm going to guess that was a Charlie Benante pick, but who knows? Maybe there's a, a few U2 fans among the Anthrax camp. But yes, not, not trying to hate too much, but yes, that was Exit. Uh, but yes, of course, the wide variety that Anthrax sports throughout the history of their cover versions is astounding. And so just doing a U2 song definitely adds to the full menu of bands that they have tackled in fine fashion over the years. So can't hate on it. Exit right there by Anthrax. Okay, moving on here to something completely different. But I know this band, in addition to pretty much every musician that ever lived past the existence of this band, Charlie Benante included. I know he's a super fan of this band, and it's it's redundant to say, like, this band is one of the greatest bands of all time, because they are. Their influence is still felt to this day. It's a band I don't play too often on Rock Strikes 10, because they've never needed my help. But I do love them. So, in 2003, big, big deal right here. Big, and we're talking about reissues and remixes and stuff like that. Of course, all those things belong on the odds and ends list. And you couldn't put this for consideration for ranking amongst the other albums because it wouldn't be fair. So in 2003, we finally got the original intended mix by the majority of the band of Let It Be by the Beatles, officially called Let It Be Naked and I guess at the time they were saying this was the Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr approved mix. And this is, of course, if you watched and if you didn't watch the Get Back documentary and shame on you if you didn't yet, you've had a few years. But this comes from the sessions of what should have been the original Let It Be album. This is the George Martin mix. And of course, if you don't know, but as the story goes, they finished recording all these tracks and as they were just basically breaking up and throwing the grenade and walking away from the band, I guess it was John Lennon's decision ultimately to turn the tapes over to famous producer Phil Spector and he put his twist on the mix for what was ultimately the original Let It Be. It's a very controversial release at the time and still to this day. I don't know if there's like a controversial debate over whether or not this is the better mix of the two, but of course, how could I not have nostalgia for the original Let It Be? It was a Christmas gift way back in the day for me, so I still love the original Phil Spector mix of Let It Be, but let's be honest, this is the real version of the album is it not come on seriously i feel like there's this forced peer pressure thing amongst musicologists to be the ultimate purist but man i'm telling you if something else comes along and it's a little better i think it should be embraced a lot more uh, for instance this or like the destroyer resurrected mix that bob ezrin did for kiss uh, stuff like that if it makes it better it's just better I mean, yeah, it's all a matter of opinion, but let it be naked. If you didn't grow up on the original, 
then you should probably just get this version if it's a competition between the two. And also, massive bonus points for actually including Don't Let Me Down on the album. But I'm not going to play that. I'm going to play this one right here, because when I was going back and listening to Let It Be Naked for the first time in a little while, and of course, I guess the last time I heard those versions was throughout the entirety of the Get Back documentary. But this thing right here just rules. Probably with a handful of other songs, maybe the best vocal take that Paul McCartney ever did. It's up there with Maybe I'm Amazed and, and a few other songs. But right here, this is Paul just ruling things. And the band just smoking, of course, on top of everything else. The icing on the cake. But here is the Beatles from Let It Be Naked. And this is I've Got a Feeling.
from one British bass legend to another. We started that twofer off with the Beatles and I've Got a Feeling from Let It Be Naked. And then we finished things off with someone who left us this year. And if you didn't hear my tribute to him, go back. I think it's right there at the beginning of the year because it's right there smack dab in the top of 2023 that we lost the great Jeff Beck. And in 2003, we have another instrumental album from Mr. Beck. And the album is simply just called Jeff. And as you hear right there, you hear Jeff experimenting with different modern sounds and putting his signature guitar sound and tone on top of it all and seeing what happens. And that was what you got out of it. This album Jeff by Jeff Beck. But yeah, I don't like to hear things like that. Whether you think that that works or not as far as the modern production or if it's aged well or not. Just the fact that he did it, and at this point in his career, I don't think Jeff was thinking that he was going to have any kind of chart success or any massive sales. So I think he was just doing what he wanted to do. So hats off to him. But yeah, kind of more into something like that than like some of the more jazzier things that he did sort of early on in his career after he stopped working with Rod Stewart and stuff like that. So the Jan Hammer era, basically, of the Jeff Beck stuff. So I'd rather listen to this than that. So there you have it. But yes, just wanted to kind of take care of two things at once right there with an odd and end from 2003 as well as paying a little bit extra tribute here to Jeff Beck that we lost this year. But as we move on to something completely different, as that's kind of the order of the day with the odds and ends no matter what year we're in. But yes, speaking of modern sounds, this one right here, I'm putting here in the odds and ends because I basically made a rule with Rock Strikes 10 after I guess 1992 or something like that, that I wasn't going to include hip hop for consideration on any of the albums countdowns. But if I come across something, I at least need to throw it in the odds and ends. Cause if I feel it's worthy and of course this thing doesn't need my stamp of approval to get over because I'm pretty sure this won the Grammy for album of the year this year in 2003 or the next year after, which is what you do. But you can't do a retrospective on 2003 and not fucking talk about Outkast because Outkast was running things in 2003. This is one of the most unique releases like in popular music history. It shouldn't work at all, and it totally worked. If anything, they were already really, really popular, and then they get more popular. They cross over even more so. You got fucking Hey Ya getting played on the rock station. So anytime you can cross over like that, that is a big fucking next level kind of deal. What do we mean by crossover for you out there? It's, it means if the Pale Faces are listening to the same stuff that the brothers and sisters are listening to on their stations, and now you're playing on the other stations, and everybody's actually listening to the same song almost simultaneously, that that's crossover. That's huge. That's huge shit. We've all experienced it during our lifetimes. No matter how old or young you are, something has crossed over and become this huge, huge thing. And Outcast was the thing in 2003. So if you, if you don't have the double CD of Speaker Box and Love Below, then I don't know what to tell you. Despite all the hype, despite all those kind of things, all those kind of trappings, and the fact that it's a double CD in a year where CD sales are slumping, and you got Outkast basically breaking up, but also by putting out their most successful thing ever. It's just so weird. It shouldn't work, but it totally does. You got Big Boy and Andre 3000 basically splitting up, split the double CD. He does his record, and the other guy does his record, and it worked. (laughs) 
So, and they both have huge hits off of each album. It's not like, and I always reference Kiss because that's my safety, but it's not like the Kiss solo albums where there was only one hit, really, on one of the albums and then the resentment starts. No, they both had huge hits. They actually followed each other back-to-back number ones on Billboard. I remember this happening because they had made chart history by doing that. I think the last time that that had been done was by the Bee Gees in the in the 70s where they had a song at the top of the charts and they replaced themselves as number one. That that was going on when Elvis and the Beatles were happening. It wasn't supposed to happen after a while when we had a bunch more bands out there and a lot of other singers, but Outkast did it. They pulled that shit off. Good for them. Obviously, those songs are so freaking huge. You could probably still definitely hear Hey Ya on the radio every five minutes to this day. And The Way You Move, big hit also. That's the other number one. And the, the albums are mostly good than bad. There's not as much filler as you would expect from a double album for anybody. And I think most of the crossover success lied mostly, I would think, that people that are more into alternative and rock and stuff like that, they definitely took the Andre 3000 side of things with The Love Below. But to me, especially after a while, on the Speaker Box record, I definitely responded more to that material because it's there's a lot of organic R&B and funk on there. Nothing about those two albums are 100% hip-hop, and that's the other reason why it was so successful. Not that hip-hop records couldn't sell millions of records, because they were, but I think one of the other reasons they were so big is because they had classic, timeless, organic sounds of production on a lot of the songs. It's not rocket science. It's just that that's what makes timeless music for the most part. I feel like live instruments are always the way to go more often than not. It's not 100% law, but like I said, more often than not, the majority of the time. So on the Speaker Box album, you hear a lot of Prince influence. And of course, I'm going to get behind that. But of course, you also hear the stuff that Prince was inspired by. So you hear a lot of James Brown slash Parliament, a lot of Parliament influence on Speaker Box, especially. So that's what I'm going to go with right here. I actually, those other songs that sound even more Prince like on Speaker Box, but I got to go with this one right here. To me, this is the jam. And this ties in actually pretty well. I think I played the Chappelle Show theme on top of this episode. This is the song. If you saw the episode, when they play this song live on the show, it's tremendous because they got the full band going and the full horns, and it's just so fun to watch and great performance. So I had to include it here on my 2003 odds and ends. So officially from Speaker Box and officially by Outcast, but this is just Big Boy along with Sleepy Brown and this live band that's killing it in the studio right here. This song right here is called Rooster. Check it out. Hey, 
Yes. I started out alone, cause my baby mama left me, now there's nobody at home. Beginning to feel like Mrs. Jackson done got thrown. With this some real shit and I'm living it through this song. I'm moving vehicle, took my family as I slept out on the sofa in the boom boom boom. I woke up very upset. I throw the covers back and peep out through the draperies. My daughter, my baby, my baby mama all escaping me. Like a when the when she was my friend, like Princess died before she died, therefore we tried and tried again. But in the end, you pay attention to the pluses, but the minuses behind it make it seem like you can't get it. Parent, what is big to do? Throw a party, not hardly. I'm trying to stay up out of that room. Or that B U S S us. I say us. Who the battles couldn't make a home out this out that be smushed. Smash, push to the limit, snatch and turn it timid. And everyone was suffering, the house was feeling wicked. The cat got sold, the dog got old, the food got cold. Both of our tempers were once cold for the most most part. You must fight hard. You hit it up to break it down and take it from the start. Repeatedly leading a path that only ends in the past. Of two stubborn minds, wrong folks, blind to the side. Throw your back out. Technicality, the love is kiss the canvas. Now the whole family gets mad at me. My daughter don't want me. That's at her PTA meetings. And then my son, he can't talk. When I change him, he's peeing. I think he's pissed. Can't dismiss the matter of the fact because he saw me and you argue. Now the energy's coming back. Send an example. A positive pattern, keep life on track. But I'm married to the music and committed to the wax. Say, baby, please, you make me wanna scream. You're on the team, starting first ring. So why are we arguing? There you have it, Rooster right there by Outcast, Big Boy, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, fun funk jam right there. That could have easily been on a George Clinton Parliament record for my money. So something that good definitely invites inclusion here on Rock Strikes 10. Okay, moving over here, once again, something completely different, but also a band that's definitely in their commercial prime back 20 years ago in 2003 but also still touring and still a great live act still putting out fun records i will definitely die on this hill and i'm sure some people might be sick of hearing them on the show but i love them so i will continue to play them if i feel that it's necessary and i'm actually going to do a twofer by this band so strap yourselves in let's have some fun now damn it 
Now, originally, I actually wasn't going to do a twofer by this band for these particular odds and ends, but I thought that I had an extra song to use here uh, for a different band entirely. So I was actually going to include potentially two songs from the Freaky Friday soundtrack, believe it or not. If you weren't aware of the soundtrack itself, it's got a handful of good to decent bands on there, one being the Donnas. Of course, I'm a big Donna's fan. And at one point, I definitely think I at least own the CD for this soundtrack via a promo or something. And at some point, I must have gotten rid of it and purged it out of the collection, even despite the fact that it had an unreleased Donna song and a few other songs that I did like on there. But for some reason, I just don't have it anymore. And, stupid me... I forgot to rip it on my computer and on my MP3 iTunes library when I did get rid of it. So the song Backstage by the Donnas, I'm not being able to include it here on the 2005 Odds and Ends. Even despite the fact I'm exposing myself that I don't have a vinyl ripper to include stuff here on my show currently. Because I have it on the vinyl copy of Spend the Night as a bonus track of the re-release that came out a couple of years ago. And for some weird fucking reason, it seems to be one of the only songs of all time that's not currently on YouTube for me to rip and pull it onto the show. So I'm shit out of luck with this song. But because of the fact that Bowling for Soup took their Freaky Friday contribution and put it on a different compilation down the road, I do have that song to play for you. So because Hardcore Donna's fans did me dirty and they didn't put Backstage on YouTube, you're going to get two Bowling for Soup songs here on a twofer. But in case you don't like the original, I do have a cover to play for you as well. So you may at least like one of these songs, but you should enjoy both of them because they're both fun. So we're going to kick things off with the cover track that was included on the Freaky Friday soundtrack. Covering this song, even at this point in 2003, is really nothing new. But kicking off the Bowling for Soup twofer, this is Baby One More Time. It's not the way I planned it Show 
right, yes. Bringing the fun, the humor, and all that jazz to Rock Strikes 10. That was Bowling for Soup with a twofer. We kicked things off with their version of the Britney Spears song, Baby One More Time, from the Freaky Friday soundtrack. But also, more importantly at this point now, on their compilation called Goes to the Movies, because they did so many songs for so many soundtracks. They actually have a movie compilation out now of their stuff. And then after that, we did their original single contribution from 2003, a song called Punk Rock 101, which was a single only release, but then they wound up including it as a bonus track when they re-released the Drunk Enough to Dance album. So musically, it's all the trappings of an early 2000 pop punk song, but you know, of course with the humor and kind of lampooning the genre as well. The video is fun. You should check it out. And when they play live, if you've never seen it live, and you should, when they play that song live, it's always one of the better songs of the night because they just get into it. They haul it. And they're playing so fast and so hard that they actually take a break in the middle of the song and do a photo session. So that's usually the case for that song. It's the break in the action. And nowadays when they do that, it's the halftime show. You take photos of them while the Spanish version of Yankee Rose plays over the PA. Good fucking times. Okay, let's uh, move on to this ballad right here. And so this song only just grows higher in stature for me. When I first heard it, I did immediately fall in love with it. I was really excited to get my hands on anything from this particular session. And with everything going on in 2003 with this artist, people that had never listened to him before were listening to him for a few different reasons. Mainly because he actually had a hit on his hands with a cover song, speaking of covers. And I'm talking about Johnny Cash. Because that Hurt cover is everywhere at this point in 2003. And yes, it is a great cover. So there's a lot of eyes on him. And you can tell he's not long for this earth and everything. And he wasn't. But this release in 2003, there's a box set called Unearthed, and it's basically all of the unreleased songs out of all the sessions that they did during all the American Recordings albums, all the Rick Rubin, quote-unquote, Rick Rubin-produced stuff. And out of all those releases, the handful of releases, my favorite one is the second one called Unchained, which is basically, if you're a Tom Petty hardcore fan like I am, It's a must because it's basically Johnny Cash and the Heartbreakers. Musically, they back up Johnny on the whole record. And you even hear Tom in the background doing vocals with him. And they do it mostly cover songs. And it's a cool album. There's so much stuff that's on the cutting room floor from this. I can only imagine how hard it was to put like a final track list together for that particular album. And the fact that they have stuff like this laying around, not released, I'm really glad the Unearthed box set came out. And I think I've actually talked about this song and played it on the show before, but I'm playing it here for proper inclusion in the 2003 retrospective. So my hopefully quick story on this song is I had it in my head like around this time, 20 years ago, that I was just going to be a lifelong bachelor. Like, I wasn't going to be one of those guys that got married and all that stuff. And this was, like, right after I initially met Nola. And the timing just wasn't right at the time, but also she was with somebody. And it wasn't going to work at the time. And I had in my head that I was going to be a lifelong bachelor just because I was like, well, that that's not going to work out, and that sucks. So I don't think anything else will really do. 
But also, when you're in your 20s, you're you're full of a lot of bullshit still. So just the whole idea that you have your mind made up about the rest of your life. It sounds stupid in retrospect, but at the time you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to be my own person. Yeah, no responsibilities for anybody else. Yeah, no kids. Yeah, at least I adhered to one of those. But this was basically my big man anthem, was this song, I'm a Drifter. And it's by Johnny Cash along with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I was like, this really speaks to me and all this stuff. And when you hear the song, you get that kind of a vibe. Like, yeah, I got no one to call my own. And I'm just going to be a rambling man. It's it's a tale as long as people have been strumming a guitar and talking about their shit. And so I was like, yes, I'm settled. This is my man anthem, single for life, all this other stuff. Well, the punchline to this whole thing, of course, yes, I did wind up getting married totally fucking happy i found the coolest person ever to live my whole life with and all that stuff but as it turns out and i didn't read the liner notes really uh, all the way until a few years after the release turns out that my all-time man anthem i'm a drifter was actually written by dolly Parton. and yes what a what a full circle tale that is because right now here 20 years after this release in 2023, now Dolly Parton is a rock star. So if you had any kind of misgivings of me playing Johnny Cash on a rock show, which most people shouldn't because he's definitely rock adjacent. He's got the cool factor and all that other stuff. Now it's a Johnny Cash song written by Dolly Parton and of course backed up by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It's about as rock as it gets for something like that if you're going there. But yes, there you go. I just, uh, I still think that's one of the funniest things that I just kind of fell into that my big swing and single man anthem was written by the iconic now rock and roll hall of famer, Dolly Parton. So here it is without any more further ado, here's Johnny Cash along with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doing Dolly Parton's I'm a Drifter. One, two. One, two, three, four. I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter I got no place To call my own no more I'm a wanderer A lonesome wanderer Got no one To call my own no more Got no strings to tie me down Got no calls to hang around What difference does it make Which way I go Got an empty feeling deep inside Still I need to stay alive And who can tell what ways beyond this road 
I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter Got no one to call my own no more Got no strings to tie me down Got no calls to hang around What difference does it make Which way I go Got an empty feeling deep inside Still I need to stay alive And who can tell What ways beyond this road I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter Got no one to call my own no more Got no one to call my own no This is a song by a very great, 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 great man by the name of Leonard Cohen. It's called Everybody Knows. Everybody knows 
Closing off the show here today and closing off part one of the odds and ends of 2003. That was Concrete Blonde, who did really well in the 1993 album's countdown and makes an appearance every now and then on Rock Strikes 10. But that was from their live album. If I didn't mention, yes, live albums count for the odds and ends. That was from their live album from Brazil, from Rio specifically in 2003. And that was their cover of Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows. And that song originally, I believe, was included in the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack originally. Definitely an inspiration of mine, as you could probably tell. Yes, two covers right there. Johnny Cash covering Dolly Parton and Concrete Blonde covering Leonard Cohen. Artists that you may not hear normally on rock and roll podcasts, but they do appear on mine, apparently. And with that, I will say goodbye for you for today. Maybe not even for today. I, if if I have to put everything out by the end of this year, I'm probably going to have to do two shows a day. But we'll see what happens. But just keep staying tuned to the feed here on Rock Strikes 10. Subscribe to the show, all that stuff. Share it. Hope you're along with me for the ride here. We've got some fun stuff, like I said, to do in 2003. And we've got some killer odds and ends coming up for the next four parts. So until then, stay tuned for my aforementioned better half, Nola, with the plugs followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 
and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.